So let me welcome our guest this morning, uh, Johan Rousseau, who, um, who is here to talk to us about his views as someone who has worked in this industry uh, for the longest time. Thanks for coming through. Thank you, Sakina. Thank you to you and your listeners. And uh, then also uh, we have with us uh, Mr. Adrian Bester uh, from the National Funeral Directors Association uh, of South Africa. Thanks for coming through. Good morning, Sakina, and good morning, listeners. Okay, let me just start uh, with you, Johan. Let's talk about the regulations that currently exist within this industry because there are tons of complaints. People are always complaining about uh, the sort of treatment that they are at the receiving end of. There are things like people um, uh, finding themselves where their loved one's corpse is being held hostage, literally, where people have been told that their loved one's corpse has been eaten by rats and the like. These sort of things, the nightmarish things, are actually happening in this industry. So let's start there. Thank you very much. Yes, um, we've received many reports, but I don't think that we need to go into the detail thereof because we don't want to traumatize families or the public further than they've already been traumatized over many years. I think the key initiative that needs to be addressed is how do we take the process forward? How do we support legitimate funeral parlors and how do we help the emerging funeral parlors in going forward to support 54 million people in South Africa? And I think that's the key initiative. Um, Further that we need to stipulate is we need one law that incorporates health department, home affairs, financial services, environment, labor, a variety of aspects because the funeral industry is very fragmented and everyone speaks to the health department. But unfortunately, according to South African Constitution, the funeral industry does not resort under the um, Department of Health. It resorts under COCTA, which is local government. And I don't think that has ever been addressed uh, in the way that it's supposed to be addressed, on the level that it's supposed to be addressed, not with individual municipalities, but through SOLGA and through the ministry. Further to that, the industry has never spoken to the national, uh, to um, the office of Tulimanonsela, because she is responsible to look after aspects within municipalities that goes wrong. And uh, we have to put that in, in, in front of government. The, the, the unfortunate reality that we are faced with is that the, um, the industry needs to, as a collective, include each and every stakeholder. They need to come closer to the public. The industry needs to see how they could accommodate the public. And these companies, which is... Um, doing extremely good work. Um, and I've just mentioned before this meeting, Mr. Bester's company, for example, is one of the company that's providing a leading role in um, in the funeral industry. And I have to say that up front, um, Apop is one of the leading players. And I think that if companies could follow their um, example, and there's many other companies, and I don't want to specify that But I think, you know, uh, that we need to take hands and see how we could collectively um, take the matter or the process forward. 
And um, of course, then, you know, um, as I was uh, saying there in the intro, just uh, with regard to um, the proposed code of conduct. So clearly there was something that necessitated um, the need for this. So why is it necessary that we need to come up with this? Because clearly there are some rogue elements at play here. Absolutely. Yes, Akina. Um, the, the, the fact is that the media has taken a lot of these um, the media has taken a lot of these atrocities and exposed that into into the newspapers of which we over over 15 years have been the messenger in taking that message to the public because the public tends to forget about these things in a day or two and what we've done is to collectively do that in conjunction with the South African Council of Churches where we did a research over a period of 48 months, which resulted and emanated into a public vote of 87% in 2005. Unfortunately, that has been forgotten, that the public already voted 87% in favor thereof. The industry players, through many, many, on many occasions, has indicated that the industry needs to be regulated. The the scenario that we're sitting with is we cannot have an inclusive process if we only have a small percentage or a minute percentage getting involved. We need to accommodate all the organizations, whether you are representing a large conglomerate or a medium size or even a small and emerging size, we need to get them involved. The, the rela- reality of the fact is that we were not able due to a lack of data, due to a variety of aspects, um, being unable to get these. And there's a lot of perceptions out there. And I want to say it publicly once again, as I've said over the last two, three radio interviews that I had, if I, in my personal capacity, ever made mistakes because of not being afforded the opportunity to engage formally, I apologize to that. But we have to say that there's big companies and organizations that are trying their level best to assist the industry and to assist the public. Adrian, let me ask you, how would you characterize the funeral industry at the moment? Um, Sakina, I think it's important that we just maybe just take a little step back. It will will answer your question. But um, I think at the moment there are three fairly serious misconceptions and, and I, I want to say almost misinformation mm-hmm. uh, that's been put into the public eye and the, 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 the public domain recently. Uh, the first one is that uh, the funeral industry is unregulated. It's not true. Okay? The funeral industry is regulated um, as much as almost any other industry in the, in the, in the country. What Mr. Rasai says is true in that the regulations do not sit within one controlling body and unfortunately, that also is true of almost every other um, industry in South Africa. So attempting to get all the regulation and, and all the legislation under one body, I, I don't think it's, it's possible. I don't think it's even viable. There's also a lot of, not I don't want to say vested interest, that's, that's probably the, the wrong word. There's, there's already um, actions and organizations in place that look after a lot of these things and I don't think we must reinvent the wheel here. So if you look at for instance the the the, the, the health regulations the constitution places the responsibility to enforce the health regulations with the local authority. Now 
we can argue whether those regulations are effectively enforced or not, but to argue that we must have that regulation enforced in some other place or by some other player it just doesn't make sense. You have to duplicate all that infrastructure, duplicate all that manpower. It just doesn't make sense. Earlier on your program, I think at about 5 to 6 this morning, um, you speculated about uh, funeral parlors that are not underwritten, for example. Mm -hmm. Now, that aspect of the industry is regulated. It's fully regulated by the Financial Services Board. Um, The FASE Act covers it. The Long-Term Insurance Act covers it. So whether they are, in fact, effectively able to enforce those regulations, again, is something different. And that, I think, is something to be taken up with the Financial Services Board. But it's, it doesn't make sense to try and move it. So uh, what I'm really saying is that the image that is created, that the funeral industry is operated by this bunch of cowboys following their own rules that is unregulated, it's just not true. But where do you think that stems from? Well, uh, th- there's been a lot of media release over the last week or two weeks. Um, and, and those media releases specifically created this impression. Uh, I would uh, beg to differ with that because I don't think this is an issue that has arisen over the past week or two. And and, and I think it's also perhaps, um, you know, a bit of a cheap shot at the media to blame them for what's going on here because the media are simply reporting on what people are telling them. The horror stories that people take to the media and say, this has happened to me. Can you help me? You know, um, I, I went to the hospital, uh, my a, a relative passed away, got there, couldn't find the body, was told that it was removed by, um, you know, X or Y undertaker, got there and they wanted me to pay to remove it when I didn't give them permission to move that body from the hospital to begin with. These things are not dreamt up by the media. No, for sure they're not dreamt up by the media, but it is important that the, the industry is not painted with that brush. So it's an individual service provider, an individual undertaker that, that does this. And in fact, that doesn't need to be regulated. It's a criminal act. That family can simply go to the SAPS and they can have that, that uh, 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 undertaker addressed. So you cannot hold a body to ransom. It's, it's a criminal act to do that. So we don't even have to go down the regulation route to, to solve that particular problem. And as I say... Issues pertaining to underwriting is already regulated. The health regulations are already there. Even consumer protection regulations are, in fact, already in place because, obviously, the the Consumer Protection Act applies to the funeral industry as it applies to any other industry, and the National Consumer Council is there to, to address those issues. However, if we want to place a funeral industry code of conduct in place, I think almost everybody in the industry is is happy with that and would actually support that. Um, If we want to have an ombudsman in place that can specifically look into the funeral industry because there might be issues that are sort of a little bit technical and and industry-specific, then I think, again, almost everybody in the industry is happy to do that. The way in which it is done is the problem. So when you come as an outsider and you write a set of rules and you have them published in the government gazette and you don't consult with me who works in the industry, then I take offense to that. And this is exactly what has happened, not only with the NFDA and the the Funeral Federation of South Africa, who represents a number of the bigger associations, but also some of the smaller associations we've seen. They've They've taken their case to the NCC. And now I must say what the NCC has done in the meantime is they have said that they'll extend the, the period. You just earlier 
referred to the period of public comment, they'll extend it by three months mm-hmm. in order to allow everybody now to be to actually consult and for for the industry to create a code that fits into our industry in the first place is implementable in the second place and is affordable in the first third place. So I think those are those are some of the issues and then there's something that's very close to my heart and it's also coming to the media recently and this is that um, there's been comments made that old funeral policies are worthless, that people should just throw their old bookies away. And this is extremely irresponsible to do. Um, and, and again, this, this interview is not about AFBOP per se, but I can only speak on behalf of, of AFBOP in terms of the funeral policies. If you have an AFBOP funeral policy, even if it was issued in 1950 and it's only worth 25 rand, you will receive, if you do the funeral with AFBOP, you'll receive 9,600 rands worth of free funeral benefits, which will include a coffin, um, the, the taking into care of the deceased, the preparation of the deceased, the mortuary facilities, the use of a hearse, the registration of death. Everything is included, and you'll get that for free. You'll also get 1,000 rand upfront cash, plus you get transportation of the deceased anywhere in South Africa f- free of charge over and above the value of your so-called worthless bookie. So please, um, the public out there, do not lend your ears out to unscrupulous people who tell you that these old policies are worthless. Find the company that supplied them and find out what your policy is actually worth. Well, we're also joined uh, by uh, Neil and uh, Neil Kites from the Independent Funeral Directors Association. Neil, thanks for coming through. So what's your take on all of this? Look, uh, I would actually say that um, to actually regulate the whole funeral industry, yes, per se. Um, but I think what has happened is it's, it's just happened all too quick. Um, and I think some of the parties that are involved, um, you know, not enough input has been put into it. Um, I do find it um, kind of difficult to actually um, comprehend with... You know, us as representing the Independent Funeral Directors Association, obviously the NFDA, the national, uh, on a much larger scale, um, I'm sitting with around about 16 members um, of IFTA, um, and that's that's nationwide. Um, but, yeah, if you could regulate some kind of thing, because at the moment we all, you know, different hospitals, state mortuaries, forensic mortuaries, they... <laughs> all have their own ideas, their own rules and regulations. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe um, as the NFDA, um, which is the longest standing, um, with you know the Funeral Federation of South Africa, the, um, the Independent, if we can just regulate some kind of an idea. But sure, yeah, the, the whole ombudsman around it... Um, yeah, came, came as a bit of a shock to, to a lot of us. Is it necessarily a bad idea, though? Because if we think about it, you know, it seems as though anybody uh, could just wake up one day and decide, you know what, I'm going to get into the funeral industry. This is the business that I'll be doing from today. And uh, they then start setting up because that is what it looks like. Th- that is what seems to be happening so isn't that cause for concern um, for legitimate members who have been doing this for a while and who do take pride in what they do? Doesn't it concern you that people can just mushroom any other day? 
Oh, definitely. Um, I would still go back as saying that um, a lot of the funeral industries, look, I mean, our company, Tom Kite and Company, is a, it's, a, it's a private company. It's a family-ran business. Um, my dad started in 1981. Um, and I think even um, with the African funeral directors, a lot of that is still family-orientated. So they have, you know, I think there's not, please, I'm not saying anything bad about Bob or anything like that, please. Um, but you do get a lot of family business that are still up and running and they're going. And um, I take my hat off to that because they are trying to keep it an individuality and more personal. You are? Yes. Um, I just want to clarify one or two things and just go a step back um, in, in terms of the consultation. We've tried on a number of occasions to engage the NFDA over the last 15 years. Um, and because of perceptions and media reports and everything, people t- tended to shy away, and I've already apologized for that, if there was misperceptions. The fact of the matter is that Mr. Be- Bester men- uh, mentioned that the ombudsman is there to look after everything. The ombudsman is established to look after, one, the public interest. That is the key initiative. It will not control health department, labor, environment, the financial service board, because that's not within our mandate. The reality is that the minister of um, trade and industry, of which reporting uh, the the, um, National uh, Consumer Council reports under them, will definitely speak to his colleagues into the other department if the need arises. And we will be able to give the, uh, the, the facts thereof. We, I don't want to, today in this meeting, go into the discrepancies related to government because government has taken a stance to make this thing happen. And we have agreed that we will take a bottom-up approach. Let's not let government take the decision to take a top-to-bottom approach whereby they will enforce it. So it is critical that we get the in involvement of stakeholders in, into this thing. I just want to mention one thing more, that the NFDA Federation is doing a brilliant job, but so is SAFPA, so is smaller other organizations, so is the independent. And I was privileged to meet a gentleman within the funeral industry, Tom Cott. And um, it's the first time seeing you today, Neil. Um, our deepest sympathy, I just heard your father passed away about two weeks ago. I think he's... Uh, December. Um, I, I just want to say our deepest sympathy for that as well. So, yes, um, I think the, the, the NFDA Federation, Southpaw represents 0.03% of the funeral industry. We need to have a more inclusive approach. We need to have the industry in a situation whereby we need to incorporate everyone in the process, so that we also look at the transformation of the funeral industry, which has been dominated by certain organizations and groups over many, many years. And I think uh, from a transformation and an economic perspective, we can go into detail thereof at a at, at, at later stage. Mm-hmm. But I think the, the key initiative is we have to look at how do we accommodate your legitimate funeral policy, people that's rendering a good service. And I'm happy to see that um, I had, I've been afforded the first time in 15 years the opportunity to engage on a fr- platform to reach out to the funeral industry, open the uh, door for discussion so that we can embrace each other and as a collective take the decision forward to assist 
almost 25,000 funeral parlors, of which additional 8,000 funeral parlors is referred to as problematic. And I think that's the key of this initiative, that we can't have an inclusive discussion by just looking at a specific market segment. We need to utilize this platform to say, how do we take the process forward? And I think um, I in, I'm in agreement with um, with uh, with um, the Independent uh, Funeral Directors Association, as well as with the NFDA, as well as with other organizations, which is currently including companies that's going uh, organizations that's going to be established and be launched within the next um, few weeks or months. Um, we can also say that the industry needs not only an ombudsman because that's looking purely at the public. We need to look at an effective regulatory measures. We need to look at a specific um, uh, at, at a bargaining council together with the funeral industry staff union as well. And I think that's critical to so that we can include everything in the process going forward. And that's just my personal opinion. Well, we're going to go to a news break. When we return, we'll open the lines. 891 is standing by with the latest news headlines. Well, thank you, Sakina. A very good morning to you. Breaking news. Police have used stun grenades to disperse a small group of Wirtz University students. They've also arrested two students who have been told that they are not allowed to gather. Security is tight at the university. And there's also chaos at the University of Cape Town where one student had been arrested. Security personnel have clamped down on protesting students who have barricaded entrances. And in other news, the much-anticipated ANC-led alliance summit will be held next year. Now, this emerged at the end of the governing party's NEC meeting. I'll have the full details at 9.